Welcome to Fast Fiction. Some people have everything and they think they have nothing. And sometimes people can think they have nothing but find they have something that others want. So it's all or nothing. God spoke to me today. Only two words, but it saved my life. Funny that, because I was committing suicide at the time. It happened right here, on this cliff edge, little more than an hour ago. Just two words, he said, but, well, it changed my life. <laughs> it needed changing. Christ, I, I, I was in a mess. Everything I loved, it gone. I had nothing to live for, no one to live for, but I have God now. It's still freezing. The storm has been raging with thunder and lightning. The whole works. Maybe that was God too. I wouldn't have said so a while back, but now, well, I'm not so sure. When I look over the cliff, it's real scary. The waves below are crashing against the rocks. It's, it's like they are in torment, like me. Well, like I was. It even scares me to look over, especially when I think I should have been down there by now, if it hadn't been for God. Then again, I could also say if it hadn't been for Marley. She's the girl I met an hour ago. I've been sitting here a while thinking, crying, ranting against myself, hurtling insults at the world, at the wind, at God, when suddenly I felt a presence behind me. No, not him. Marley. The wind was howling so much I hadn't heard her come up. She just crouched down beside me on her haunches, quiet, morose, like me. Then she said, yeah, life sucks, don't it? We sat some more and she offered me a cigarette. I started to refuse because I'd never smoked, petrified of getting cancer like my mum. But at a time like that, well, what the hell? We sat puffing alongside each other for a while and then she introduced herself to me and me to her. She looked down at my bleeding wrists and said, So, how's it going? Bleeding hurts, I said, and we both laughed. You're supposed to do it under hot water, she said, and pulled back her coat cuffs to show me a faint scar on her wrist. Didn't seem to work for you, I said, and she nodded. No, I welched at the last minute and went running to the hospital. She looked around at the vast open space around us. No hospital within a cooey distance up here, though. That's why I came here, I agreed. I thought I'd get started, then when I got weaker, I'd throw myself over the cliff to finish the job. Messy, she said, peering over. What if you didn't... She didn't finish the sentence, so I did it for her. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's why I decided to just sit here and bleed to death. I looked down at the steady trickle of blood. It was not rich and red, like you see in the movies, because the rain was washing it away as it gently spurted out. I thought the cold would act like the hot water and sort of anaesthetise the pain. Does it? She asked, showing interest. I shrugged. Can't say. I've never done it before, so there's nothing to compare. We sat in silence some more, throwing away our cigarette together. And then she said, So, what happened? I looked at her then, properly, for the first time. She was about my age, I reckon, late twenties, and about my build and complexion. But I was fuller, healthier. She looked as if she hadn't had a wash or a good meal in weeks, whereas I, well, I'd had everything. She matched my stare and then shrugged. No matter. Your story is probably the same as mine. Drunken father. 
Desperate mother, abusive stepdad. That's where we all start. She looked down at the puncture marks on her arm. And this is where we all end up. No, none of that was true for me. No, with me, with me, it was a... I hesitated, not wanting to relive the pain. It was, it was a car accident, I ploughed on. It sounded so bland. Car accident. What, you driving? Then casually she asked. Kill anyone? It all came out. I told her everything, how I'd always been a bit of a no-hoper, no family to speak of, no friends. Then met Darren. And our two years living together. How we found out about the baby coming and, and how I'd blown it. Insisted he get me money for an abortion. We got into debt, then I blamed him and, well, the rows, the breakup, then the getting back together again. The night out to celebrate the fact we, we were going to get married, spending up big our last few bucks and not caring because we were young. We loved each other and we were going to have a beautiful baby. I told her all this, hearing my voice come alive with the telling, not hearing the wind, not feeling the cold, forgetting the blood oozing away my life. And then, as the storm seemed to reach a peak and die down, I told her of the final piece of luck. Good luck. Wonderful luck. Once in a million luck. When I put our final five bucks through the poker machine and bingo, jackpot. I told Marley how we had looked at the coins tumbling out the racket they made as they spilled into the bucket, the cheering of the spectators, the hugs and kisses we shared, more celebrations. We drank champagne, and we both felt so good. There was a new hope and excitement for the future. Oh, I didn't want the feeling to go. I didn't want that cavern of nothingness back in our lives. I didn't want to wake up thinking I was lumbered with a no-hope, a husband with no skills and no job. I wanted to stay a princess engaged to a prince, like before. Darren had ordered another bottle, just one more for the road. But I felt sick and threw up, but Darren, well, he kept drinking. Just one more for the road, and the road had taken it all, the car, Darren, and our baby. It wasn't my fault, I said. Well, not entirely. I didn't want to drive, but, well, Darren was obviously drunk. The other car, well, he was on the wrong side of the road, too. I swerved, but my voice trailed off. Marley listened quietly, then lit up another cigarette. She didn't offer me one. She just drew on the straggly strip, cradling it against the rain, and then she spoke. So you had it all, didn't you? Just for a moment, maybe, but you were going to be a family. I nodded. Yeah, even without the money, I had it all. That's right. Your jackpot money spent on a few bubbles, like I spent mine on a few shreds of weed. And now... I've got nothing to spend it on. What? There was a moment of silence. You still got it? I fished out my wallet and showed her the cheque. The little piece of paper that replaced those tumbling gold coins. A thousand bucks, paid out to cash. It wouldn't have lasted long, but it would have been a start. Christ! She took out her own wallet, skimpy and misshapen. She pulled out a piece of paper and handed it to me. I'll swap you. It was a garage invoice for $800. That's what it'll cost to fix my scooter. What happened? She sat quiet and still, hardly breathing. A week or so back, I was at this nightclub in the city, tanked up on party drugs and weed, just having fun. I picked up this fella, real cute he was, and well, he wanted to have a go on the scooter, and I got on too, as pillion. We just fooled around, but he wanted to push the throttle, see how fast he could go. 
We finished up on the highway, and well, it was a good feeling. Wind in my hair, hanging on to this great dude. I guess he didn't see the old woman step off the road. She went down like a sack of potatoes, and we veered off and wrapped the bike around a tree. I wasn't hurt too bad. I cracked a few ribs, twisted my shoulder, lost a tooth, that sort of thing. Him, well, I think he just had a few bruises. But he scarpered right off, left me injured, and wheeling the scooter all the way back to town. I didn't even know if the old woman was alive or dead. But the cops will find me, for sure. And well, I got form, a few other convictions, fines. They'll charge me, and I'll be back inside that shithole prison. Her voice was low as she continued. That's why I came up here today. Like you, thought I'd end it all up here, on my own, once and for all, like you. We both looked down at my wrist and watched the blood still seeping out, still slowly taking away my life. How are you feeling? Weak. Yeah. We sat looking out at the sea and then she said, I'm probably better at it than you. Soon I've done it before. Look, I'll help you. She took my hand, the one holding the knife, and closed her hand over mine. She guided it to the gaping wound and exerted pressure. I felt the sharp point on the sore flesh. <coughs> Suddenly, a rack of thunder shook the air, and it was then that God spoke. Only those two words. I looked at my new friend and saw a glint in her eye that had not been there before. I recognised it. I'd seen it in Darren's face when the coins had begun tumbling from the poker machine. It had probably been on my face too. Marley was still staring at my wallet and her eyes were full of, well, they were full of hope. No, no, I don't think so. I've changed my mind. I thrust her arm away. She forced it down again, stronger. I panicked and pulled away, tumbling in the muddy grass, slipping, sliding. She rolled with me, over me, under me. My blood was staining my clothes, her clothes, our skin. We fought for our lives like wild animals. Yeah, for our lives. For a life neither of us, neither of us had wanted just a few minutes ago. And, and suddenly I felt her slip away, down the slope, down, down and over the edge, down to the crashing waves below. I stood up and stared. I, I thought I saw an arm outstretched towards the sky, but next moment she was gone. Nothing left. I stooped down and picked up my wallet from the mud. Hers lay close beside it. My blood spilled over as I picked it up and looked inside. Marley Maloney. No fixed address. Marley Maloney now deceased. The thunder roared again and I looked heavenward and mouthed my thanks. Thank you, God! Two words from me to repay the two words from him. The two words that had leapt into my mind when I had seen that hope in Marley's eyes. When I realised that I had a life that someone else envied, wanted and would kill for. I would die. Marley would vanish. And then relive as me. Identity fraud. You have been listening to All or Nothing, written by Priyanda Cross and dramatized by Priyanda Cross and Natalie Mullins. <laughs>